Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are talking about the Electronic Entertainment Exposition again. And if you clicked on this thumbnail, you know I titled it the end of E3 question mark. And you might say, Rick, Rick, E3 was canceled a while ago. You did a video on it. You've discussed all of this already. And I would say, yes, I have. But the news this week is actually more suggestive of a significant change in how people in the video game industry celebrate on an annual or maybe not so annual basis. And that comes from a new comment from the ESA, the people that are behind E3, that are a trade organization, an association that is designed to be representative of the entire video game industry, that says that they're not going to do even what they thought they might be able to do only a few weeks ago. In this headline that I'm showing you right now from the e3expo.com website, this is the announcement of the cancellation of the E3 2020 presentation. One of the things they said, which I've highlighted in yellow here, is that we are also exploring options with our members, which is, remember, just about everybody in the video game industry, Microsoft, Sony, Activision, EA, everybody that you can think of, to coordinate an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June 2020, which makes perfect sense, right? E3 can't take place physically because of everything that's happening now in the world, but there's a lot of announcements in the world of video games and movies and everywhere else that happen digitally, that happen online. As a matter of fact, whether or not most of E3 should be online, whether or not most of these announcements even require something like E3 has been an ongoing conversation before any viral outbreaks were but a whisper in our minds. And so it makes sense for somebody like the ESA, which is this big, enormous trade association to be able to say, hey, okay, maybe we'll get everybody together digitally. But the news that came out this week is that even that kind of small olive branch to game consumers, game journalists, whoever else it might be, is no longer going to happen. So I saw this flagged from Game Industry Biz here, which is why I've highlighted this article right now. The ESA will not hold a digital E3 2020 event. It's official. There will be no E3 2020, not even online. I'm flagging this because this is where I saw this first reported. This is what brought it to my attention. But this article actually links, it re-reports another article from PC Gamer that has the real story here, right? And the PC Gamer article says, this is from three days ago, says E3 2021 dates are revealed but there's still no word about the 2020 online experience. And then, because that was the headline in this major publication, this got an update. Now, we see here, even in the start of this article, PC Gamer grappling with what E3 even is in 2020. It says, the cancellation of E3 2020 came as a blow to game companies and fans alike, and it also brought into question the longer-term future of the event as game publishers made moves towards holding their own direct-to-consumer online shows. As one industry analyst pointed out, if publishers are able to successfully reach fans directly, what's the point of having E3 in the first place? And yes, that's been part of this discussion, right? It's not so long ago that Nintendo started their Nintendo Directs, which was copied in part by Microsoft and their inside Xbox, both of which were copied in part by PlayStation and their state of plays. These publishers, these giant console manufacturers, video gaming in general, can get news out to the people that they want to have that news directly in the age of the internet. So what purpose does E3 even serve? And that's something that the ESA has been trying to figure out. 
Now, even that is kind of a complicated story because even the digital kind of angle of all this we see is somewhat bifurcated amongst the various publishers and console manufacturers. Following the cancellation of E3 2020, several individual publishers, including Microsoft, Ubisoft, E3, and Devolver Digital, E3 being not a publisher so much as the ESA's trade event, either committed to or said they are considering separate online events. Bethesda confirmed last week that it will not hold an annual digital showcase. So it's unclear exactly how Bethesda is going to inform anybody about its upcoming slate of games because they don't have a direct kind of outlet right now, but maybe they're working on one in the background. And that was the state of play when PC Gamer actually wrote this article, but then they got this update. And this is what was reported in game industry and everywhere else that we saw this over the last couple days. Here's what the ESA actually said. Given the disruption brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic, sorry, YouTube, please don't flag this video. We will not be presenting an online E3 2020 event in June. That's why you canceled E3, right? You canceled E3 because of COVID-19. That doesn't really answer the question of why there can't be a digital outing. And we're going to see that as we go forward in this video. Instead, we will be working with exhibitors, video game companies, to promote and showcase individual company announcements, including on our website in the coming months. We look forward to bringing our industry and community together in 2021, next year, to present a reimagined E3 that will highlight new offerings and thrill our audiences. Which brings us all the way back to where we were before when discussing these issues earlier, before any of this had happened in the world. The ESA is hanging tight to what is a different vision for what E3 should be because of trying to answer these questions of what it even is when every publisher has direct access to their consumer base. But in the face of that, In the face of the fact that they haven't even been able to put together a small digital showcase of anything for that first week in June, when so many game developers and publishers and everyone else related to the gaming industry would have otherwise had that week kind of scratched off and ready to do something anyway, is, I think, a significant statement about where the ESA sits right now, how publishers feel about it, how they feel about the vision that the ESA has put forward. I only talked about this a little while ago, a few months ago, January of this year, which again feels like eons, when I made a video in virtual reality called Dropping Out Sony the ESA and Two Competing Visions for E3, because Sony, when they were commenting on why they were dropping out, very kind of specifically dug the knife in a little bit as to what was being planned for E3 2020. Said after thorough evaluation, Sony Interactive Entertainment has decided not to participate in E3 2020. We have great respect for the ESA as an organization, but we do not feel that the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. At the same time, or a little bit after Sony dropped out, You had Jeff Keighley, who is one of the more significant personalities associated with all of gaming. He hosts the Game Awards. He formed the Game Awards and essentially finances and makes it all work. He does what used to be an E3 Coliseum where he did in-depth interviews with game developers and publishers at E3. He says, for the past 25 years, I've been at E3. I've debated what to say about this year's E3. But while I want to support the developers, I also need to be open and honest with you, the fans, 
about precisely what to expect from me. I have made the difficult decision to decline to produce E3 Coliseum for the first time in 25 years. I will not be participating. And we dug into that statement in another video that we did called Reading Between the Lines. And if you actually go and you follow Jeff Keeley after he made this statement, he gives you a little bit more of that kind of understanding of what's happening with E3 and the ESA. He says, what fueled your decision to not participate? A follower of his asks. A ton of factors. I just didn't really feel comfortable participating, given what I know about the show as of today. Just like Sony, it's clear that Jeff Keighley had an issue with whatever the ESA was planning. And of course, the ESA has had a tough year in and of itself, right? It isn't so long ago, August of last year, where it was announced, it was reported that the Entertainment Software Association, the ESA, had inadvertently, quote unquote, presumably, doxed virtually every journalist attendee of E3 this last year. And as it turned out, prior years from there, they never really issued an apology. And there's a lot of journalists you can go and you can look at on Twitter or in articles and see that they are still angry about how the ESA kind of handled their stuff. And then it was leaked again that ESA was trying to figure out that E3 needed to be something different, was trying to figure out what that would be and came up with this vision that a lot of people had issues with. I called this video, E3 succumbs to the age of the influencer. This was in September, so only a month after that doxing story. But you can see in what was released, and I recommend if you're interested in more of this kind of PowerPoint presentation, you go check out that video from last year, that they were focused on influencers and celebrities and doing something that I think a lot of publishers and game companies weren't necessarily comfortable with. You see here their statement that their vision will be a fan, media, and influencer festival. It will mark both the beginning of the news and announcement cycle for the year and be a convening point for the biggest fans, video game companies, news outlets, and analysts, and social media influencers, celebrities, and athletes. It's going to be some kind of weird party that was the age of the influencer-oriented, and this is what the ESA was going forward with. And you might have thought, hey, okay, this isn't working. They got an extra year to plan. E3 2020 was canceled and they're going to just do a digital online something. But it seems like the publishers, the game companies essentially rejected the ESA. And the ESA is doubling down and saying in 2021, we're going to present that reimagined E3. And it will be no surprise by the time 2021 rolls around that Sony once again says, hey, that vision doesn't match what we want to do, ESA. And the ESA's doubling down is part of this story. It's very interesting because the ESA doesn't have to do that. They could rethink their processes, but it's clear there's all this friction in video games. And to just put kind of a pin on that, a point on that, it's worth noting that other companies, much, much, much smaller companies, much less influential companies that don't have nearly the clout, the representation, the membership, the lobbying power of the ESA are managing to put together showcases, are managing to put together digital events, even when they're only tangentially related insofar as these platforms are, to the video game companies themselves. Kind of Funny Games did a showcase last year during E3, and it seems like they're likely to do another showcase this year. Nick Calandra, if you follow him on Twitter as the editor-in-chief of The Escapist, decided to put together an indie showcase for E3 2020, asked for people to sign up, in the middle of last month, you could see this whole tweet thread. I'll link it in the description to this video. 
But by the time March 26th rolls around, he says, I just crossed the 50 signups mark and there's so much cool stuff already. This is going to be a hell of a showcase. The ESA and all their clout and all their power and all their people were essentially rejected by these video game companies. We're told, nah, we're not going to do anything digitally online. Or maybe if you want to say that's not the story, Rick, because we're always reading between the lines and this is all speculation as we try to interpret what we see in front of us, maybe that's not the case. Maybe the ESA and their digital infrastructure, the same ESA who, of course, you know, wound up doxing all of the journalists that attended their major exposition every year for the past couple, said, okay, well, if we want to put together a digital showcase, we're not really in the business of editing videos. We're not really in the business of putting together these kinds of video components. So I guess we're not going to do that because we don't know how. That seems unlikely, right? If every publisher can figure it out and they're not in the video editing business necessarily, although they do make nice trailers. And if places like Kind of Funny Games and The Escapist can figure it out, you mean to tell me that the Electronic Software Association or the Entertainment Software Association, my apologies, can't figure out how to put together a digital showcase? No, I think it seems far more likely that they said, this is what we want to do. We like those kinds of kind of funny showcases. We know what you do in directs. Let's put some of those announcements together. Let's put them all in a bundle. Let's make it an E3 digital experience. And the publishers looked at the ESA and said no. And to me, that's why this video is called the end of E3. It seems at bare minimum that this kind of thing is from the outside looking in what looks to be that vote of no confidence that you see in parliamentary procedure when the membership of a body says, you know what, we just have no faith in your ability to lead us, to lead this company, to lead this trade association, to lead this industry. And hey, they've got a lot more information than we do sitting out here. You know, if you're on the board of Electronic Arts, you've got the communications, whatever was had between you and the ESA. And frankly, all of these member companies have a part to play in conducting the ESA's activities. And they just disagree. They didn't want to participate in a digital event. And of course, part of that story is the story that PC Gamer started out with. If publishers are able to successfully reach fans directly, what's the point of having E3 in the first place? But if the ESA is feckless, incapable of running an exposition like this, are they capable of lobbying effectively for the industry? Is the leadership capable? Are you as Sony or Microsoft or Electronic Arts or Ubisoft or Bethesda or smaller independent game companies, are you having faith in what the ESA is putting together? I'd suggest the last couple years and especially this statement right now, the fact that there won't even be a digital showcase in early June from the ESA is indicative that Nintendo's moved on, that Microsoft has moved on, that Sony has moved on, and that frankly, the industry might well move on from all of the ESA and maybe E3. To me personally, that's a shame. I enjoy having a single celebration a week where you can just focus on video games when life is otherwise moving so quickly and you have all this other stuff to focus on. It was nice to have a specific point in time to say, yeah, I'm going to take that Monday. I'm going to take that Tuesday. I'm going to focus on this stuff. I'm going to get excited about what's coming out in the next year. 
And I'm going to enjoy thinking about those things because I'm an optimist. I'm a positive person. And I like thinking about the possibilities. Maybe that winds up happening at the Game Awards. Maybe that winds up coalescing around Gamescom or the Tokyo Game Show or somewhere else. But right now, it seems key that E3 as we know it is definitely dead. And E3 in its entirety, a one-week celebration in North America specifically of the video game industry, seems likely to be dead as well. This has been Virtual Legality for today. We're talking about these kinds of things all the time in this space. If you like this, please like, subscribe, share it around. We talk about Supreme Court cases. We talk about some politics stuff. We talk about intellectual property licenses, like the fact that Call of Duty can use Humvee's trademarks and trade dress without even licensing it and how in the world that happened. We talked about the comments made by Naughty Dog with respect to their Last of Us Part 2 delay. So we're having these conversations about business and law and licensing and all this stuff that helps people understand the world around them all through the prism of pop culture and particularly video games, movies, and television. So if you like that, if you like the sounds of that, tell people that we're here, share it around. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. Please do comment. Please like, please dislike if you disliked it. Have that commentary with me. I'd love to discuss this video with you and any other video in this space. If you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. Please do review it in whatever podcast version you're listening to it on. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.